Hey everyone, welcome to the Gate Alliance Church. We're so glad you could join us for this week's podcast. If you have any questions or want to learn how you can be more engaged in our church, check us out online at thegatechurch.ca. Thanks for listening and enjoy this week's podcast. We talked last week about suiting up, putting on the armor of God, and I encourage you to partake in a 21-day prayer challenge uh, where every day we, we, we put on the armor of God. We don't really take it off, but in the morning we check, make sure everything's in place, and I've done this every morning, and I invited you to join me, so maybe we'll do ours for Sunday right now. Uh, Ephesians 6, 13 to 18 says, Therefore put on every piece of God's armor, so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you'll be standing firm. We talked about that. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body, body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news that you'll be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray in the Spirit. Pray, pray, pray. And all times, at all times, on every occasion, stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers. So we're going to do the checklist together. The helmet of salvation. Thank you, Lord, for my salvation. I receive it in a new and fresh way from you. And I declare that nothing can separate me now from the love of Christ and the place I shall ever have in your kingdom. Secondly, the breastplate of righteousness. And yes, Lord, I wear your righteousness today against all condemnation and corruption. Fit me with your holiness and your purity. Defend me from all assaults against my heart. And we check, make sure the belt of truth is in place. Lord, I put on the belt of truth. I choose a lifestyle of honesty and integrity. Show me the truths I so desperately need today. Expose the lies that I'm not even aware of that I believe. The shoes of the gospel of peace. I do choose to live for the gospel at any moment. Show me where you are working and lead me to it. Do not let me become slack in my walk. And the shield of faith. Jesus, I lift the confidence that you are good against every lie and every assault of the enemy. You have good in store for me. Nothing is coming today that can overpower me because you are with me. And the sword of the the Spirit. Holy Spirit, show me specifically, specifically today the truths. The truths of God's word. The word of God. That I will need to counter. That I will need to counter the snares of the enemy. Bring them to mind throughout the day. And then finally then pray. Finally, Holy Spirit, I agree to walk and step with you in everything. Not some things or most things. In everything. And all prayer as my spirit communes with you throughout the day. If you weren't here last Sunday and get one of these cards to help and, our, and take up our prayer challenge. And there's a place you can mark it every day just to remind you. Uh, go to the Connection Center after. There's some extra ones there. Join us. Be part of the, uh, the, the prepared people of God as we uh, seek to do his work together. So I'm so glad you're here today. Do you notice we have a new drummer, young Caleb? <laughs> Ten years old? Good. Ten years old, so appreciate him helping us out uh, today. And I'm also glad that my, you know, I, I think I'm, in my day we had best friends. My best friend is here, Dave, Reverend Dave McMillan, his wife Kathy, all the way from Rimby, Alberta. Anybody ever been to Rimby before? <laughs> so I'm glad they're here. Well, today we're going to talk about the fact that the economy 
of life works in such a way, and you know this, where great reward often requires great sacrifice. For example, if I'm going to make a purchase, I must first sacrifice and go without to save enough money to buy the car, the vacation, the down payment for the house. Um, if I'm wanting to attain a higher education, I would have needed, to, required to make the sacrifice of study, of reading and participating in classroom work. If I were to run a marathon, and I won't, <laughs> I would have to train a lot to get in condition. Great, you know, because great reward comes from great sacrifice. And that's what we learned today. You know, Christ made a great sacrifice for us. And you and, I have, you and I have the reward of freedom. But today we're going to see, as we did in our scripture reading, that we can put ourselves back in the bondage and we don't, we don't sacrifice and forgive others as Christ has forgiven us. The freedom we have to live without condemnation for sins and offenses committed against Christ came with a great sacrifice. Jesus paid the penalty. And the Bible says this. I love this verse. We could just sit here and look at this all day. So there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. How does that make you feel? Free? For there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ. And because you belong to him, here's the consequence. The power of the living, life-giving spirit has freed you. Get that? Freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. I am so grateful for that today. Because I can't, I don't earn it, I don't deserve it, I'm not worthy of it. And yet Christ would give it to me if I accept it and in that. And our freedom, Jesus tells us that we are to offer that same forgiveness that he has given to us, to those who have hurt and wounded us. And he said to his disciples, give freely as you have received. It really is a biblical principle for a blessed life. And, and the word blessed in the original biblical language that the New Testament is written in is makarios, which means happy, um, satisfied. I mean, the blessing comes when we freely give as we freely receive from God. And that includes giving the gift of forgiveness, just as we say we've forgiven, we've received that from Christ. Because it brings glory to him. It benefits others. But really, I think what surprises us most is enables us to remain and live in freedom. The nature of forgiveness can be so measly, mis, uh, easily misunderstood and misapplied in our culture. We, we, we think about forgiveness as all, we know what it's about, but we really don't. So sometimes it's just good to remind ourselves what it is and what it isn't. So in your sermon notes, there's a little true and false quiz that we're going to take this morning. Uh, we are in a school. We're going to take a test today to better help us understand what forgiveness is and isn't. So in your notes, there's these questions. True or false? A person should not be forgiven until asking for it okay (laughs) forgiveness includes minimizing the offense and the pain caused well you guys are good forgiveness includes restoring trust and reuniting a a relationship you haven't really forgiven until you've forgotten the offense if you look at the bible you can see every one of these is false you can discover all five of those statements are, are false. Uh, first of all, 
Um, real forgiveness is unconditional. There's no attachment to it. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. You don't bargain for it. Forgiveness is, is, is not based on a promise to never do it again. You offer it whether someone asks for it or not. See, when Jesus stretched out his, his arms on the cross, he said, what? Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. And he didn't wait for someone to ask him. That's true. Nobody said, please forgive me, Jesus, for what they're doing to you. He just said, he just offered it. He took the initiative. Forgive them. And by not offering forgiveness to others, you are choosing to put yourself in a prison. That's what we're going to see today, in a prison of bitterness and anger when you don't offer that to somebody. We're going to see this morning that those who deeply wounded us can steal freedom because we will not be set free by offering them forgiveness that we need to give. We withhold it. Don't wait until those who need forgiveness, don't wait for them to ask for it before you offer it. That's hard. Uh, there are people, you know, you've been waiting for years to approach you and say, I'm sorry, I messed up. Will you forgive me? You wait and you wait. And you know what? They'll probably never come and say that. I, I've, I learned that. They may not even be alive today for you to ask them for forgiveness. But you can still forgive them. You can take that initiative. Uh, the truth is in your sermon notes. If you wait until that person asks you to be forgiven. You're giving them the power to keep you enslaved and imprisoned. We're going we're to learn that today. Jesus died to set you free. Not so that you go back and be imprisoned again. By unforgiving others. Secondly. Forgiveness includes memonizing the offense. Well, no. Forgiveness isn't memonizing the, the seriousness of the offense. In fact, just the opposite of that is true. To offer the forgiveness to someone is to acknowledge that you've been greatly hurt. This mattered. This, this really hurt me. It was a great offense was taken. So don't memonize it by saying it didn't hurt. It's okay. It's all right. When someone asks forgiveness, they do come and they say, I'm sorry. You can, don't cheapen it by saying, well, it's no big deal. It hurt. If it didn't hurt, you wouldn't need to offer forgiveness for it. And then thirdly, forgiving someone does not mean you must restore trust and reestablish a close relationship. By forgiving them, I no longer require payment for what they did. I cancel the debt. Neither do I wish them any harm. In fact, I can pray God bless them. But when someone you trust deeply wounds you, you can set them free without having to restore trust and a relationship you once had. I'm not saying you, that couldn't be restored. Uh, you know, it would be great if it was, but it doesn't have to be. For example, if someone I trusted stole property from me, I probably would not put them in charge of my property. If someone I entrusted to something with confidence and they went and shared that with other people, I'd probably not put them in the position of trusting them in confidence. Again, I will forgive them, release them. They don't owe me anything. I'll love you. God bless you. But it doesn't mean I'm going back to the position that I once had. You can. I hope it does. But it is not required. Fourthly, the phrase forgive and forget is not found in the Bible when it comes to us forgiving. I hear people say that a lot. Society says that a lot. Forgive and forget. 
But it's, God never says that's a requirement for us to forgive. You, you're you're going to remember the offense. You, you, you can't forget. However, once you've forgiven the person, that, they, that person, that offense, no longer has the power it had to hold you captive as it once did in your life. You can remember the offense with all, without all the weight and distress of the burden you once had over it. You can remember they did it, but suddenly it doesn't have the power and the grip on your life anymore because you've canceled the debt. You release them. You've set them free. I no longer dwell on it. It has no control over me. However, you know, I was sharing in our prayer star group this morning. As I was working on this message, I found myself one morning just remembering again. I said, Lord, again, I, I offer these people to you in name and I forgive them because I do not want to go back to this place where we, I am trapped in bitterness and anger. I, want, I do not want to. I have canceled that debt. I don't need to go collecting for it any longer. So you might have to do it again and again. Some people... When they go fishing, they practice something called catch and release, right? They, they catch a fish and let it go. When you find yourself remembering the person who wronged you, practice forgive and release. When, you're, when you, you, know, you do this, when you say, I choose to forgive the offender for the sake of Christ and move on with my life, I forgive and release. And you might have to do that more than once. Forgive and release. And this is what Jesus taught us in the Lord's Prayer. How many of you remember saying the Lord's Prayer in high school? You're old enough like me. I remember standing in high school and we sang, Oh, Canada. And we still said the Lord's Prayer. And I always said it out loud. And, and I wish, you know, we don't do that anymore. But let's see how many of us can remember the good old King James Version of the Lord's Prayer. Let's, let's start just a few first few verses. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this daily bread. And what's the next line? Yeah. I, I was raised, I think, in a church where it said, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You remember. Have you ever read the very next verse? As Jesus gives you this prayer, and the very next verse is this, he says after the prayer. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive you of your sins. And I find that interesting because all the parts of the Lord's Prayer, all the different themes and categories that, that's covered in that prayer, this is the place, this is the part Jesus wants us to go back and revisit right away. He didn't take us back to where we pray for our daily bread, where we pray for our daily needs. We don't tend to forget to pray for our daily needs. We, you know, we don't pretend to forget, Lord, please don't lead me into temptation. We remember ourselves. We're good at reminding God, please take care of me. And Jesus didn't take us back to the part where we were to honor God by saying, hallowed be thy name, which says, Lord, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come. May your will be done. He didn't take us back to the part where we say, God, I want you to be, your will to be done in this world, in my life. But he brought us back, not to the place where we're focusing on a relationship with God, not to the point we're focusing on, our, on ourselves, but where we relate to others. In the, in the theme of forgiveness. And, and Jesus wants me to evaluate my relationships with others and be willing and ready 
to offer forgiveness to those who hurt me. I, he, must, he brought us right back to that. Because I think he found, knows that's the big challenge for us. Take care of me? Yeah. God, I love you? Yeah. Boy, that guy hurt me. That's hard. And this can be a very great challenge and a great difficulty for us because we want those who have offended us to pay. We want God to forgive us of our debts of offense towards him. But we are very slow in forgiving the debt of those who offended us. And then we pray this. And forgive us our debts as, as, as we forgive our debtors. How you doing? And to hit this truth home, he tells us a story we read today of the unforgiving student, or student, (laughs) servant. Here is a fellow, a servant who worked for a wealthy king. He gets up one morning, he doesn't realize it, that this is judgment day. He's going along living his life as he always does, but he doesn't realize this is the day that the king's going to call him in and hold him account for the debt that he owes. And so he comes to the king, the king's looking over his books and discovers this servant owes him millions of dollars. That's more than I make in a week. I don't know about this guy, how he ended up being millions of dollars in debt. If he took the money plan at the gate, that wouldn't have happened, right? He had a debt that was so gigantic. And the king says, pay up. I want my millions now. And if you don't, I'm going to put you in the prison. I'm going to take your family in prison. I'm going to sell everything you have. And you're going to jail. And the man, the servant falls down on his face and begs his king, please, please have mercy on me. Just give me some more time and I can pay you back. How, how ridiculous that was. I'll pay back every penny. I'll pay it back. Well, how long are you going to live? Because back in that day... If he owed millions of dollars, the whole tax base for the whole region where he lived was $800,000 a year. So I don't know how he's going to pay millions and millions and millions of dollars back. The king's response to this gigantic, gigantic, uh, unpayable debt is mercy. He says to them, okay, I'll write, I'll forget it, I'll wipe it off the books, I'll cancel the debt, it's done, go about your way. And, and, and we'll, we'll never talk about it again. You're free. I'm letting you go. I release you from this debt. So the man is free. And we pause there just for a moment because you and I know the servant in this story is really me and is really you. You and I owe a debt to the king, to God that was so, it's, it's unpayable, it's gigantic, it's huge, it's compiled to everything that we have said and thought and done. We're even born in, with sin. And it separates us from him. And it comes just by the virtue that we're born in sin and separated from God. And we own this debt. It's so big and we can't pay it no matter how long we live. Even like, you know, the servant said, I'll just work a little harder. I just need a little more time. He never could have done it. If you and I were to work as hard as we can, if we kept every commandment from now until we died, if we never said another unkind word, had an uh, unhealthy thought, if we gave all our goods to the poor, if we did everything we could do to be nice and to be good... The debt we owe would never be paid. It's unpayable. That's why Jesus is making this exaggeration. You owe millions when we can't do it. A lot of people are fooled and think, well, I'm just a good person. Then why did Jesus have to come die on the cross if that's all you need to do? He must have made a mistake. No, he didn't. 
and you can't pay. He came and paid a debt he didn't know because you have a debt that you could not pay. Amen. The Bible is very clear. The God pardons sin by his grace based on Christ's work, not my own, on the cross alone, not a man's actions. So don't ever try to think, I can work my way, make it up, take the rest of my life and, and just pay back. You can't do it. That's why Jesus came to do it for you. And you have to receive that and live that. So having said that, understanding that, we come to forgive my debts as I forgive my debtors. And this is what we need to know. Because I've been forgiven, I can forgive. It's possible. It's doable. The foundation for the Christian being able to forgive the wounds and hurts that have been caused by others is this simple truth. We've been forgiven. And because we've been forgiven, we're able to forgive others. You know, we practice what is said, and we read earlier in Matthew, where it says, give as freely as you received. If I receive it, I can give it. We put into practice the prayer, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Psalm 139, we read this earlier this morning in our prayer time. Oh Lord, you examine my heart and know everything about me. Do you understand that God knows, already knows your heart? The greed that you have secretly practiced, God knows about it. The moral failures, God knows. The lies, the gray areas, the lapse in judgment, um, withholding ethical, upholding ethical standards, God knows about them all. He knows, He knows, He knows all your dark secrets. All those things that would cause others to cringe. All those things that you've done that would, if people knew, they'd probably put some distance between you and themselves. But here's the truth. God sees it. God knows it. And he doesn't run. He's with you. He sees the places that are so dark that you've never, never seen the light of day. He sees the places where you struggle, the places where you've hurt, where you've questioned, where you doubt. He sees where you blasphemy. He sees where you've cried in agony. He sees it all, and he doesn't run because he loves you. He doesn't run. He has grace to you. He wants to offer you grace and say, I'll cancel it if you, you know, I'll cancel it. Thank you. He has mercy on you. And because he says, and because he chose to relate to us this way, he said, would you do it with others? Because you receive so much, could you just forgive the smaller debts that people owe you? I know it hurts. I know it's not fair. I know that, that there should be payment. I get that, but would you forgive them? Release them? So because I receive mercy and forgiveness from God, I can forgive others. It's very simple, right? Amen. A plus B equals C. But you know what? It's hard. It really is. If it was that simple, we wouldn't have to probably preach about it this morning. See, I have this problem, and, 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 and maybe you have this problem too. Um, I don't like to forgive right away. Let's be honest, I don't always like to forgive, and I bet you don't either. So instead of working in the way that God forgives me, and, and you know, um, I don't forgive you, and, and 
that leads to this larger problem that we need to look at in our story today. The unforgiving becomes the unforgiven. We go back to our text. We find the king and the servant. The servant receives forgiveness from the king. He skips out of the chambers. He's happier. He's so happy. He's excited. The king has forgiven him. His debt is gone. He's, he's, you know, he's not a, 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 a man weighted down by debt. His wife and his kids don't have to be thrown into prison. His things don't have to be sold. He's happy. Skipping down the road. Sees a guy who owes him 20 bucks. Hey, you owe me 20 bucks. Yes, I do. I know. If you just give me more time, I'll pay you back. I'll pay you back. Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. You're going to prison today. You owe me this. This isn't right. I'm putting you back. I'm putting you in prison. You're toast. Now, do you ever look at scripture like a story like this one today? And you look at it and you say, boy, that's a good story. I want to talk about that story. That story, that, that guy, I mean, that, that is wrong. But God says, you know, I want you to come and I want you to hold that up like a mirror. You go, oh my, oh my. I want you to see, this isn't just a story for us to stand back and look at and critique. But this is you and me. Amen. How difficult it can be to take the truth And hold it up and say, examine me. Know my heart. Point out any way in me that's offensive to you. Because God, I'm greedy for your mercy. I want it. But then I struggle to give what I receive. And when I struggle to give what I receive and I withhold it, then this is what we read in the scripture. Whoops. You evil servant, the king said. I forgave you that tremendous debt. Why? Because you pleaded with me. You wanted mercy. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to the prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt, which would be never. And this is what Jesus said. That's what my heavenly father would do to you if you refuse. If you refuse, refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. And I, I just kind of looked at some different versions of the New Testament on this passage and read different commentaries. And they all say the same thing. They put, the guy, they put this unforgiving servant to the tormentors, put him to be tortured, put the screws to them, put him in jail. Every time you're the one who suffers. Every time you don't forgive, you're the one that suffers. Every version of the Bible, every commentary doesn't change. You suffer because you withheld what you've received. And this is not an isolated teaching. I put in your notes. I won't read them all, the verses today. But you see throughout the gospel and the New Testament, this teaching is consistent. This isn't just, oh, there's this one spot that is talking about that. No, it's consistent. If you withhold what you've received in the way of forgiveness, you will suffer. Jesus tells a story. So you can apply the truth and you can be set free. He didn't die on the cross so you could live your life, go back and live a life in torment. Imprisoned by the bitterness which comes when we don't forgive and release others. The irony is, you know, we want people offended to pay us back and so we don't let go of the offense. I was saying this morning, it's kind of like, you know, for some reason, sometimes abusive spouse will return back to the the spouse who abuses them. 
And you wonder why, but it's like, it's all they know is the security they have, you know, it's unhealthy. And sometimes we hold on to our fence like that. I hold this, un- I, I, this isn't good for me. It's not good for me. I'm holding on to it. It's mine. It's what I know. And I won't let go of it. And all the while it destroys us. And God says, would you let it go? There's something better for you. But we hold on to it. We replay the whole story all over again. We tell others what they did. We get all worked up about it. We want that person to pay, so we hold on to it, hoping one day it will come when they'll go, aha! Now you're getting it. But as we do this, (laughs) we're doing it from a prison. We're not free. We're being held captive by our own unwillingness to forgive those who wounded us. And we tend to forget how we wounded God. And we're okay with that when he says you're forgiven. Thank you. Part of the irony is that the other person who you want to be in prison is free. Uh, They're walking around probably no idea or thought of the offense that they've caused you. Or if they do, they don't really care about it. They left it in the past. They're fine. They don't worry about it. But you do. You want them in prison. How ironic is that they're free and you're in prison. You're being held captive because you won't forgive. You won't cancel their debt. And they're walking around free. They're living today uninformed, unconcerned, unmindful of the situation. But you are being tortured. I love that saying, you probably know it. When we don't forgive someone who wounded you, it's like taking poison poison, and waiting for that person to die. You're the one who suffers. I read this quote this week in my preparation. I liked it. As long as you're unable to forgive, we keep ourselves chained to the unforgiven. As long as you're able to forgive that person, you are chained to them. They've got you. Because you choose to be chained to them. How long? How long will you allow that to happen? We give them rent-free space in our mind and our emotional shackles in our heart and the right to torment us. It's not bad enough they offended us, but you're allowing them to keep stabbing you with a stake. It's time to take the stake out of the hand. Amen. It's okay, I'm letting it go. Forgive them. Amen. It's a sacrifice. I understand that. I'm not undermining how hard it is, but with great sacrifice comes great reward. There comes freedom. There comes... ah. Freedom. I learned this. um, Even our our willingness or lack of willingness to forgive others won't also affect us. It's going to affect other people as well. When I was a young boy, we had in our family or a circle of our family anyways, an um, alcoholic man. And some of you have grown up with alcoholism, you know the shame, you know the, the, how afraid you are as a kid, how frightened that is. And one day I remember this, this, this man who came into, uh, to, into our house and had a dog chain and just started beating me with it, whipping me with it, a dog chain. And boy, I tell you, that stayed with me, that affected me. But you know, I was able to come to a point to forgive him and let it go. And I think it helped when I realized, when I heard his story, 
that his mom, when he was a little boy, brought him to a train station and left him there and took off. Raised without parents, had a fight in the Korean War, was an alcoholic. And I said, God, I've released this man who's been so wounded. And what's so cool is that man, I was later to perform his wedding. And more important than that, he was dying in hospital from liver disease from his drinking. His name was Bill. I said, Bill, I want to talk to you about your life today. And led him to the Lord. And did his funeral. And told his family what happened. That would not happen if I was not willing to forgive. Boy, that, that means there's freedom and joy, even though I was hurt, to say that someone's been set free. Because I was willing to set them free. Who in your life is needing to hear those words from you. It hurts. Don't do it again. But you're free. Amen. Can I tell you what, Jesus? Can I tell you why I can give you that, that forgiveness today? Because I have been forgiven. With great sacrifice comes great reward. One of the greatest honors I had recently was a few weeks ago. Um, driving the car with Deb. By the way, Deb's, you know, we're doing a life celebration service for her this Saturday here at the church at 7 o'clock. Her family asked for that. People in Niagara Falls asked if they could have closure here. So we're going to be having a service 7 o'clock Saturday night for Deb Nansen here. So I hope you can come and honor her and celebrate her life. I miss Deb. But like three weeks ago, we're driving, I think to the carriage house, we're in the car, and she, she had something in her hands. The pastor, I want you to have this. And she gave me this. I said, what is it, Deb? She goes, it's my 12-year medallion. Uh, being free. I said, Deb, I you just got this. Like, why are you giving this to me? You should have this. No, I want you to have this. Boy, that means so much to me today. Her work gave me great joy. Her sacrifice gave me joy today. I'm going to have this with me. With great sacrifice, you can have such great reward. Everyone has broken relationships. I know that. I'm not a preacher telling you guys what's wrong with you. I'm saying I get that. In our pain and our woundedness, we can build walls to keep the pain out. You tried that? To keep yourselves from being hurt again. I will not let you do that again. What I would have us to understand and know today is when we do that, when we build up walls around us, we're putting ourselves in a prison. Locking other people out. Locking ourselves in. To rebuild relationships, to be, be vulnerable again, as hard as it is, we've got to tear down walls. And that comes through forgiveness. I'm not saying what they did was right. I'm not saying they deserve it. Neither do you, God. So it's time. It's time to forgive. It's time to release the offender and the offenders. It's time to stop telling the story. It's time to stop stabbing yourself with the pain. Take the stake out of their hand. <sighs> Father, I pray today that I believe and I know there will be some of us, probably all of us, that have been offended and wounded in such deep ways. And we understand when it talks about bitterness. We understand that servant God who was set free and yet had a hard time releasing someone else. We're talking about me and we're talking about us here today, God. And it is a battle. 
because we feel the pain. It's real and it hurts. But God, how we need to be set free from that. You don't desire for us to live our life with that anger, with that bitterness, with in captivity. So if you could, God, just we could pray that prayer. Would you search our heart? Would you examine it? Would you point out any way that we have withhold forgiveness from someone, God? Is there a name or names? And it's probably those who have been close to you, those who you trusted, those who you thought had your back. And they stabbed you. And you're wounded. And it hurts. God, would you help lead us to freedom, to heal the wound as we release the debt that is owed to us? We cancel it. And as we cancel it, we no longer look for it to be paid back. Thank you for canceling my debt. I could never pay back what I owe you. A debt had to be paid and Christ sacrificed that. I'm so grateful. I'm here to worship you today, God. I'm here to learn from you. I'm here to be obedient and follow you. And you say, in the same way I've forgiven you, forgive others. Help us with this, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We make these messages available to give you a window into our church, but also an open gate for you to join in with our community. Our Sunday service is at 10 a.m., and we look forward to seeing you soon. And know that there is a place for you at The Gate. Please remember to visit thegatechurch.ca for more information about our church.